Praise Him. It's about that time again. It's time for the Bible and Coffee Podcast Show. I'm so excited you stopped by. Do me a favor. Sit back. Relax. Get your Bible and coffee. And let's listen to what the Lord has to say to us. Be blessed in Jesus' name. Okay, and the Bible reads uh, in Philippians 4, verse 11. It says this. It says, not that I speak from want, for I have learned to be content in whatever circumstance I am. In other words, Paul is saying here that he is not speaking from a position or a place of want, but he is saying that I've learned how to be content in every situation that I have been in. He also goes on to say in verse 12, he says that I know how to get along with humble means, and I also know how to live in prosperity. And, and, it's, and he goes on to say, in any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of being filled and going hungry, both of having abundance and suffering need. So this is what's very interesting here. Uh, we spoke about this a little bit on Sunday, um, and we, we talked about how Paul says that he knows a secret. You see that on your screen here in the New American Standard Translation of the insert secret. He, he says that he knows he has learned how to be filled and going hungry. Amen. He's learned this secret or this mystery per se. He's learned how to um, to stay content while different seasons are traversing and and we we talked about a couple of case studies where Paul again is addressing the church and telling the church on how to keep their peace how to stay sane how to stay holy amen and and, and really what he shows us here is that I want you to I want you to look at my life is what Paul says I want you to look at my life I want you to look at my case studies and I want you to examine my life and I want you to understand and realize that if I can make it, you can make it. If I can stand the rain, you can stand the rain. And so he says that during his life, he has learned, hallelujah, I feel you now, God. During his life, he has learned that there have been different situations in his life. And so during his life, he has learned how to be content. And I want you to understand that tonight, as we go through this chapter, amen, it is imperative that you keep the word content, amen, in your spirit. Paul says that I have learned how to be content wherever I am, what situation I'm in, what circumstances I face. I have learned how to be content. He says, I've learned how to be humble. I learned how to be without. I've learned to have some money and learned how to, um, you know, prosper. I I've learned how to still stay saved. Um, in the in this last and evil days, regardless of the circumstances, I've learned how to keep my contentment. 
I've learned how to not let the external activities uh, penetrate me internally. And a couple of case studies that we found was one with Paul um, in his inception where Jesus says to Paul that, amen, that you're going to have to suffer many things for my name's sake. Paul understood that in his inception of coming into Christ or Christdom, he was going to have to go through some things to prevail and keep up the name of Jesus Christ. And I stopped by here to tell you, amen, as Paul says, through many tribulations, we shall obtain or gain the kingdom of God. Uh, Paul here also tells us that in every, in any circumstance he has been in, he has learned how to handle himself. And another case study that we looked at, amen, was the fact that when Paul was preaching a revival in uh, Acts chapter 13 and 14, Iconium and Lystra and Presidia, Antioch, where each time, now watch this, I, I, I want you to understand this. In, in chapter 13, the latter part, Paul goes there on one of his missions. He is invited to the church and the pastor has already done his thing, said what he had to say, and then asked if, if any guest pastors or preachers had a word to say. He then proceeds and says, Paul, do you have anything to say? Paul says, yeah, I got a couple words. Paul gets up and speaks a word. It's so powerful that the pastor really asked him to come back and, 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 and preach the word again. And the whole city comes to pretty much the whole city comes to hear Paul preach this word of God. And then all of a sudden, because everybody and their mama is going to church to hear Paul, the people who have been there for years, some of the leaders who have been there for years get jealous. And what do they start? They start an insurrection. <laughs> they start an insurrection. They start a riot. Why would I use those choice words? Because that's exactly what they did. They started an insurrection. Y'all in America know what an insurrection is, right? We seen one. Not too long ago. Now imagine that in Paul's day for preaching the word of God. People came to the church to start an insurrection. Riled the people up so that they would be all hot and heavy against Paul. Can I tell you, when Jesus died on the cross, there was an insurrection. People got hot and heavy because Jesus was speaking the truth and, and, and the folk didn't want to hear it. And they listened to a couple people rile them up, rile their spirits up, get them all hot and heavy to the point where now they're so mad that they got to they gotta curse Jesus. They've got to kill him. Uh, the, the, the devil always wants to try to start an insurrection in your life to get you to move, either to get you to shut your mouth or to get you to move out of that place. When you are effective, the enemy is always going to try to mop up on you when's the last time somebody solo ran you off it was always somebody else with them because they have to have another witness <laughs> yeah 
Yeah. So-and-so said it. So-and-so said it. That's always a witness until, until there's an overwhelming majority of people against you. Inciting a riot. Paul says, in the midst of these folk in, uh, uh, starting a riot, an insurrection, I've learned a secret. I've learned a secret. These brothers trying to start a riot, but I've learned, I've learned. I'm learning the secret. So then Paul gets uh, pushed out of that city. He goes to another city. Now, in chapter 14, and what's even crazier about that is the same folk travel now. And it ain't like they had airplanes like they got now. They get on a horse. They get on foot. And they follow this brother for miles to another city to start another insurrection and to gain more support for their cause. And what happens? Then they escalate. Because you know what happens. First, you're just, you know, no justice, no peace. You know, you know how y'all do. No justice, no peace. Y'all just that, right? Then what happens is that somebody starts something else. And now all of a sudden, they want to take it and escalate it to violence. So then in chapter 14... Then you see Paul dealing now with rumors that he's finna get stoned for preaching the word of God. Because these cats keep saying, no justice, no peace, and, and now they're escalating. So Paul leaves that place. Then Paul goes to another city, and now they follow them from another city. You would think that these people would have something better to do. They keep following Paul. I wonder why. Then they get to another place. And then they stone him. Leave him for dead. Some scholars think he, must, he was dead. In any event, Paul gets up. You know what Paul does? Paul gets up, goes to another city, preaches the ministry, and then makes his tour back to the same cities that tried to stone him. <laughs> he goes back. And so he says, I've learned the secret now. I've learned how to be content. I've learned how to, how to, amen to God, how to feel like I'm mistreated, how to feel like I'm not wanted. I've learned how to be full when I'm really hungry. I've learned these things. I've learned these things. And that brings us to our text. Because if I don't stop, y'all, I'm going to keep talking about this thing. <laughs> and it, that, that brings us to our text here. And I want to read our text in, in its totality, and then we'll go ahead and dissect it. Let's read, let's read this text, starting at verse 13. Paul says in 13, he says that I can do all things through him who strengthens me. He says, nevertheless, you, you have done well to share with me in my afflictions. You yourself also know, Philippians, that at the first preaching of the gospel, after I left Macedonia, no church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving but you alone. For even in Thessaloniki, you sent a gift more than once for my needs. Not that I seek the gift itself, but I seek for the profit which increases to your account. 
but I have received everything in full and have an abundance. I am amply supplied, having received from Epaphroditus what you have sent, a fragrant aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. And my God will supply all of your needs according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. Now to our God and Father, be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Greet every saint in Christ Jesus. The brethren who are with me greet you. All the saints greet you, especially those of Caesar's household. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Paul says that I found the secret. Let me tell you what the secret is. Let me tell you. Let me tell you. The secret is this. He says that I, meaning Paul, can do or accomplish all things through Christ who strengthens him. So what's interesting here is the backdrop is just the two verses that we talked about, 11 and 12. And Paul says that he has learned how to be content in any sacrifice that he makes, with any circumstances that he faces, right? He has learned this secret. So Paul's claim is that on his own, he cannot be content. Can I repeat that again? If you lean to your own understanding, you cannot give yourself contentment or peace. Let me say that one more time. One more again. If you lean to your own understandings, you will never, ever, ever, ever be able to give yourself the contentment, the peace, the rest, the, the, the settling, the dismissal of restlessness in your spirit. You will never be able to do that because you are dependent on your own self. Listen, the flesh is not able to be content. It has to always be doing something. Mm-hmm. Ooh, you treaching, pastor. That it, 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 you cannot, you cannot, you cannot, you cannot, you cannot calm yourself down to a sense of peace of God. Right? Paul is saying, I can't do this on my own. I need the Lord to do this. In other words, I really need the Holy Ghost. <laughs> I'm not able to accomplish anything if I don't have the Holy Ghost. I need the Lord to give me strength, to give me peace, to calm me down. Paul is saying that I, I was not able to do anything. But he says, but I can if Christ is giving me the strength. If Christ is giving me the strength, if I am being strengthened from a power that's not of this world, right? Because the Bible says greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. If I'm being strengthened from a power that is from on high, then I can certainly accomplish any and every obstacle that's in my life. Brothers and sisters, ladies and gentlemen, I want to tell you that in these last and evil days, 
If you continue to lean to your own understandings, you will never get the peace and the contentment you're looking for. Okay. Okay. Let me put it to you this way. If you try to seek other avenues to get contentment and peace, you will never get the full satisfaction that you could have gotten if you would have got it from God. Because nothing in this world can give you the peace or strength that you need to order to maintain your sanity in any or every situation. Uh Uh-huh. Let's look at the word strength. Strength means to enable. It has a meaning to render more capable of, more capable or able for some task. Strength becomes strong. Paul is saying that through Christ, he has enabled me to be more capable or have the ability to do a task or to just become strong in a thing or two. Why? Because the Lord has strengthened me. Paul says, I've got a secret. I've learned a mystery. I've learned how to be holy. I've learned how to stay saved. I've learned that in any situation that I face, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord, Sister Summer. I've learned how to do all things. I've learned. I've learned how to keep my mind on God. This is very important. Because we live in an evil time, an evil generation right now where folk are losing their minds because they don't have God on the inside. They turn to witches and warlocks and they turn to all of these ungodly things. And they think that these things are going to heal them, but they won't heal them. They won't give them peace. They just cause more confusion. It's the truth. You ain't got to like it. It's the truth. You want to go to a devil disguised as disguised as a saint, but really as a devil, and get some healing for your body, but you just turn out worse than what you came in. Fell out ugly, all, all, all kind of just craziness. Why? Because the enemy is trying to put a roofie on you. <laughs> he doesn't want you to get peace. I want you to look at these scriptures here. The only way you can find true contentment is in Christ Jesus. Look at what Timothy says. I think Christ Jesus, our Lord, who has strengthened me because he considered me faithful, putting me into service. Listen to what Paul says. Oh, listen to this famous verse. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 12 and 9, he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is perfected in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, I will rather boast about my weakness so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. Ooh, Paul asked the Lord, take this thorn away. God said, nah, bruh. <laughs> nah, bruh. I ain't doing it. Nah. But what I will tell you is, is that my grace is more sufficient. It is capable enough to extinguish the sting and the pain that you feel. 
God's grace is more is so efficient or sufficient enough. It is good enough that it can extinguish the thorn that you even feel in your side. Hmm. You ever see somebody and, you know, you maybe watch the show and they suffer a horrendous accident, but they don't feel any pain because their body is in shock and they don't feel it until their body comes down. Well, God's grace is greater than that. He says that his grace is good enough. Your body doesn't have to be in shock to feel this grace. You just got to allow his grace to overpower you and overflow you. Uh-huh. He says, my grace is sufficient enough. Right? For his power is perfected in his weakness. Paul says, God's power is perfected in his weakness. Why? Because at your weakest state, you can't depend on you. You got to depend on somebody else. Ooh. Ooh. Maybe some of the things that are going on in your life is God's trying to weaken you so that you will depend on him and stop depending on you. Ooh. <laughs> See, that's what happens sometimes. We, 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 we tell God, nah, God, you, you can uh, rest this day. And I got it all. And God trying to tell you, no, you need to let it go because I got you. I'm trying to perfect myself in you. And I'm trying to show you that even though you're in your weakest state, you're at your strongest state in me. Because now you're not leaning towards you, you're leaning towards me. Maybe this is what you need to actually get an effective relationship with God. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Mm. may just have to hum again. God wants you to depend on him. You got to stop depending on you. Listen to what 2 Timothy 4.17 says. But the Lord stood with me and strengthened me so that through me, the proclamation might be fully accomplished and that all Gentiles might hear and I hear and I was rescued out of the lion's mouth. The Lord stood with me and strengthened me. That's what Timothy says. The Lord stood with me and strengthened me. Mm. Look at what John 15 and 5 says. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me, abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. From apart from me, you can do, can do, excuse me, apart from me, you can do nothing. I got tongue twisted because I got so happy in that part. You know what I'm saying here? The last part says, basically, apart from me, you can't do anything. The Bible is saying that I am the vine. John is saying, I am the vine. You are the branches. And he says that if you abide in me and I in you, right? So if there is, if there is a bi-directional relationship, two ways, right? I'm talking to him. He's talking back to me, right? That's the bi-directional that we have established. That's two arrows, one pointing to God, one pointing to you. And we're communicating together, 
He says that you can bear much fruit. You can be, you can be, uh, what you call it, uh, uh, content. You can have contentment. You can bear much fruit. You can do all things through Christ. But he says, if there's not a bi-directional communication relationship, you can't do nothing. There's a lot of people that talk to God that God don't talk back to. <laughs> trying to tell you, there's a lot of people that God is trying to talk to and they ain't talking back to him. See, he says, again, he who abides in me and I in him. <sighs> mm. It ain't just abide in him and that's it. It's got to be two ways. You got to abide in him and he has to be in you. Ain't that what that says, Sister Ravina? Am I missing that? I think I'm, I think that's what it says. Mm. I think that's what it says here. But apart from me, you can't do nothing. So you trying to give yourself peace can't do nothing. You won't be able to accomplish what you think you can accomplish without God. Now you say, well, pastor, uh, 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 I'm doing just fine. I'm doing just fine, Pastor, because uh, look at what's going on in my life. Look at what's happening. But I want you to ask, ask, ask this question. If God is not blessing you, who's blessing you? Because if, uh, yeah, um, hmm. If, 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 if you're not abiding in God and you're getting blessed, Who's doing the blessing? <sighs> Who's doing the blessing? If you put your hand to God and say, I don't want nothing to do with you, but all of a sudden things is happening, all that you wanted, who's doing that? Hmm. Selah, think about that one. Because you, 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 you got to understand. You got to understand. Listen, I'm going to give you an insight. One of, one of the telltale signs that the enemy is the one blessing you is you get everything you ask for. <laughs> you say, no, nah, well, pastor, uh, th that's got to be God. I've, I'm getting everything that I asked for the way that I'd ask it. Really? You mean you get exactly everything that you want, the way that you ask it, how you wanted to ask it? Really? And you say, that's God? It's the God of this world and the God of the universe and ain't Jesus. When is the last time your parent gave you everything that you wanted, how you wanted, the way that you wanted it? And if your parents ain't doing it, why would you think God is going to give everything that you wanted the way that you wanted? God knows what's best. God knows what you need. He may give you what you want, maybe. But he's not going to give you something that's not going to benefit him. Come on now. Come on. Come on now. 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 Just a little, little telltale sign. Something to question. Also, how do you feel after you got everything that you want? Do you feel like you're blessed or do you feel kind of weird? Hmm. I'm going to keep on moving on that one. Listen to what 2 Corinthians says, 12 and 10. 
Therefore, I am well content with weakness, with insults, with distress, with persecution, with difficulties. For Christ's sake, for when I am weak, then I am strong. Paul says, I've learned how to be content. Man, I, I, I am well content with weakness. I'm content when people insult me. Man, that's a hard one, right? <laughs> that's a hard one. I'm content with distress. I'm content with people persecuting me. That's a hard one. With difficulties. Oh, man, that's a hard one. For Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Paul says pretty much everything. I, I, I'm, I'm content with all of this stuff because when I am weak, then that's when God's strength comes in. Oh, if the enemy knew that by attacking me, you unleash the strength of God in my life, maybe he would stop If you keep on attacking me and I am set and my mind is made up, mm, Paul says, I am content with this. Why? Because the weaker I get, the stronger I get in God. Because I have found the secret. I can't do nothing without God. But with God, I can accomplish anything. I may be in a state, I may not like it, what's going on, but I can do all things through Christ. So then what's the secret again? The secret is being strengthened through Christ. It is trusting Christ for all your issues and needs. That's the secret. Can I ask you this question? When's the last time you trusted God with all your problems? Huh? What, 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 what pastor? No, 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 no. I, I, I do it all the time. No, I'm talking about the problem that you don't even talk about. You just think about it. You drive around thinking about it. You won't even dare open your mouth about it. When's the last time you trusted God with everything? God has, said, God has always said, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. Come to me, those that are heavy and laden, and I will give you rest. Paul says, I need rest. How can I be content if my mind and soul is not at rest, at peace? He wants to give you rest. You can't keep singing like they do in the morning, gently rest upon my heart, and you don't want rest because you won't give him nothing. Lord, I need rest. He's saying, give me everything that you got. Let me exchange. Let me give you something in exchange for what you gave me. And what I give you is going to give you rest, peace, and the word we've been talking about, clarity. Mm. Hallelujah. I feel like running up in this place here. <laughs> so Paul closes out that section here and then look at what he does in 14 he says so I want you to notice there's a shift because he uses the word nevertheless nevertheless so there's a shift he says nevertheless you have done well to share with me in my afflictions Oh, we got something new here, y'all. You have done well to share with me in my afflictions. So he's letting them know, hey, you have done well to participate, right, 
in something with an with the, he you have done well to participate together with me. Participate in what? In my afflictions. Right? So now the topic is shifting from the last section and is really shifting to sharing in his afflictions. And now he's going to expound upon it in the next two verses. Watch how Paul flows. 15 and 16. He says again in 14, hey, nevertheless, y'all have done a good job in sharing in my afflictions. So he says, for you yourself know, Philippians, that at the first preaching of the gospel, after I left Macedonia, no church shared with me the manner of giving and receiving, but you alone. For even in Thessaloniki, that's the church, the Thessalonian church, you sent a gift more than once for my needs. Sister Ravina, this was this one was deep. It was deep. Now watch this. Let's let's ask some questions here. Let's ask some. Like we gotta ask some questions, y'all. Okay. Let's 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 go back here to verse fifteen. I'm gonna keep it on the screen for a second. Let's look at the first section here. He says to the Philippian church. He says. That you yourself know, Philippians, that at the first preaching of the gospel, after I left Macedonia, no church shared with me in the matter of giving. The question we have to ask ourselves is, what in the world is the first mission? What's the first mission? Matter of fact, I'm going to pause. I'm going to ask, I'm going to ask y'all who are online right now to comment. And whoever watches this replay, just comment. Real quick before, who or what was the first mission? He's, he gives you a clue. After I left Macedonia. Hmm. Give me just a couple seconds here. Matter of fact, let's ask it this way. Where was the first mission, mission located at? What book in the Bible? Because it, it is documented. Just give you all a couple seconds. While we sip on our coffee. Hallelujah. <laughs> Remember, it's Bible and a cup of Joe. <laughs> All right. Okay. Hey, man, I'm giving y'all just a little bit more time here. Now, when I say it and then y'all type it, don't talk about it was a delay. I gave y'all ample time. When I say where it was located, I'll say, oh, pastor, I knew it. It was a delay. I ain't going for that. I ain't going for that. <laughs> Amen. So the question is, the question is, what is the first mission that Paul refers to in chapter 15 and verse 15? So when we go back, let's go back to the book of Acts. Chapter 16, you know, y'all, y'all like chapter 16 because at midnight, at midnight, the wall's shaking at midnight, I'm going to give my blessing. You, you know, y'all like that chapter, right? But here, the first mission is here. Acts 16, verses 9. The Bible says, a vision appeared to Paul 
in the night, a man of Macedonia was standing and appealing to him saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. All right, we're in the book now. Acts 16.9. Verse 10 says, When he seen the, the vision, immediately we sought to go into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. Now, God, Paul saw a vision saying, this brother said, hey, come to Macedonia. They concluded. After that, after that vision that they were supposed to go to Macedonia. What, what's Macedonia? What, what is he talking about? The first gospel? Like, what is he talking about in Macedonia? Who's in Macedonia? Let's keep reading. So then the Bible says, and 11, so putting out to sea, this is Paul's transportation on a boat from Torres. We ran straight across to another city. And then they ended up in Naples, Nepalis, excuse me. Verse 12 is very interesting. And from there to Philippi, the church of Philippians, which is the leading city of the district of Macedonia, a Roman colony. And we stayed there in that city for some days. Hmm. Paul says, now watch this. Paul says that since he came there the first time, since he came there the first time in Acts chapter 16, verses 9 to 12, traveled from Torres to Philippi, he says, no other church has dared given to him except the Philippian church. So you remember now, chapter 16, this is the chapter where Paul and Silas are locked in jail. Do you realize that they are locked in jail in the city of Philippi, where Paul is writing to the Philippian church to? Remember, we talked about how crazy the church was. But we didn't really talk about how crazy the city was. It was a Roman colony. So that means it had ties to Rome and they were going to honor Caesar because it's a Roman colony. Paul is a Roman citizen. He doesn't say that to the end. But what happens is there's a lady walking. She's doing witchcraft and Paul rebukes her because he's pretty much she's getting on his nerves. This is a man of God every day. This is a man of God. This is a man. She's what she's saying is true, but it's how she's saying what she is saying. Some people in your life are saying facts, but it's how it's the spirit in them that's saying it that makes it feel ugly. So Paul rebukes that thing up out of her. He says, get up out of here, girl. That thing got to go. That spirit leaves. It leaves so bad, it leaves so immediately that she is not able to work, which is being a psychic. She's not able to do her psychic thing. She lost that power. That power was given to her by a demonic spirit. Stop going to psychics. 
These psychics are powered by a demonic spirit. <laughs> Stop seeking insight and fortune telling in your life from these demonic spirits. How about you just trust God? Matter of fact, okay, let me take a little bit further. Stop coming to God for God to be a psychic in your life. God, is this it for me? Uh, God, if I touch the hem of this brother's garment, is he going to be my husband? Is she going to be my wife? Stop coming to God for fortune telling. Stop. I'm just saying. Let me pop that right there. Hey, I'm just saying. Stop coming to God as a fortune teller. He is not your fortune teller. He is God. He is not a ladder. He's not a genie. You ain't rubbing nothing for him to just pop out. How would you command me today? You have three. No, 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 no. Mm. God help me here. He ain't your fortune teller. These soothsayers are empowered by a demonic system. Don't get me started about, Eli about Jezebel 400 prophets who cut themselves all day and couldn't do one miracle when they tried to challenge God. So this is what happens. Oh, it gets better. So not only do they cast out the spirit the owners of the sister, what do they start again? They start another insurrection. Why is insurrection and Paul synonymous? <laughs> they start another riot. Not only that, they beat him. They arrest him. They arrest him and beat him in handcuffs. <laughs> I want you to look at it from today's eyes. You are arrested. You're already charged. And now they're going to whoop you while you're already arrested. And, and they arrested him because somebody of privilege did not like him and made a charge to say that he is confusing the community. He ain't confusing the community. He just cast out a spirit. They said a lie. Ain't that what they did to Jesus? Trumped up charges. Oh, he's blaspheming God. He is God in flesh. Trumped up charges. Bleed. Bleed him. Then Paul and Silas are locked in a jail, strapped to a wall, bleeding, bleeding, but can't nurse their wounds. And then they begin to worship God because Paul has to be content. And sometimes the only thing that you can do to be content is sing your way into peace. Lord, help me to hold out. Lord, I know you'll make a way somehow. Sing yourself into happiness. Sing yourself into joy and peace. Paul and Silas bleeding, wounds being nursed. He's saying numerous times that when I'm weak, I'm really strong. He's saying that I'm showing you while I'm bleeding, how to become strong. Even though I still feel pain coming down my body, how many know that when the glory of the Lord hits you, there is no more pain? 
You can have a hole in your side, but when his grace and glory hits you, you feel nothing. Paul says, I can't feel, I don't want to feel this no more. I need to be content. I need peace. I need rest. And he begins to sing and praise the name of Jesus Christ. Because I need rest. Mm, God help me. For my soul. So while he is singing, God does an earthquake to where they are freed from being in prison. It wasn't his time yet to stay locked up. Because notice he didn't do that for him in Rome. He's locked up. He's locked up. He's locked up. He's locked up. He's locked up to the point now. Where the jailer in the, in the jail is getting ready to commit suicide because he thought Paul leaves. But that jailer ends up getting saved and his household gets filled with the Holy Ghost. And later down in that text, while Paul is still bleeding, he goes to the jailer's house and his wounds are nursed. The whole time when he was freed, he stood there and still nursed his wounds. He gets patched up. He baptizes him. And then, just like the enemy wants to do, damage control and wants to sneak Paul and Silas outside the back door. And Paul says, no, you're going to have to drag me out because I am a Roman citizen. Oh, if I had some music. And then they get mad. And what happens? Paul, they let him go and they keep compelling him to leave. So Paul is saying... After that ordeal, all the churches knew what he went through, but only one church would continue to give. You know, Sister Rena, I had an inkling that we should look at some of the churches in the next two chapters that he visited. So I wanted to look at a couple of churches just to kind of kind of summarize who wouldn't support him. After this ordeal, he goes to, he travels from one city to another city and he lands in the church of Thessaloniki. You know, that's where Brutus and Julius Caesar and all them cats is, they, they, they around that, that time, that, that area. He goes there. He preaches there for a minute. But that church who is a model citizen of being a Christian doesn't support Paul. Acts chapter 10. And, 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 and I want you to understand, when he went to Thessaloniki, they ran him out too. They started a mob and a riot in the insurrection and ran him out. Hmm. So he stood for Christ there. He got ran out. Church wouldn't support his mission. 17 and 10, they go to Berea, the, the, you know, the, the Berean church, you know, the people that meditate on the word day and night, studying the scriptures. Then when he left there, what happened? The people from Thessaloniki that started a riot came to Berea, started another insurrection, so they ran him out. He didn't been to two churches after post being in jail and then got ran out of town. They, they, they didn't support him. You know what they were trying to do? They were trying to cancel him and cancel the message that he spoke to them. 
Ooh, don't we live in a council culture? They don't want me talking about Jesus online. Well, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. They want to counsel them. So you know what they did back in the day? They followed them and harassed them with their voice to counsel them. And then they would start an insurrection to try to counsel the noise. Mm. But it won't work. It wouldn't work. Watch what happens. 17 and 6. 17, Acts 17, 16. It says, then Paul went to Athens. His spirit was being provoked within him, and he was observing the city full of idols. He goes to Athens. He doesn't get kicked out, but he ends up leaving on his own terms. And the folk in Athens don't support him. Oh, and then he goes to Corinth. These folk don't support him. Paul is saying, <laughs> we, we, how many churches we went to? We went to about three, four churches. And this man was ran out of three of them. Stayed in one for a while. Was attacked. Because this is about the sons of Sceva. Had another mob. Everywhere he went, there was a mob waiting for him. And you mean no one but the Philippian church could support him? Mm. Mm. It wasn't like he was riding on a Cadillac, had his private jet going from state to state, city to city. Huh? Ah, hey, God help me. It, it, it wasn't that. It wasn't like he had 30 armor bears guarding him to get him just to hold his Bible. No, he was in the street. He was in the street preaching the gospel. He was being attacked by mob. Everywhere he went, he was marked. They were marking him. They were already muddying his name. You see, when the enemy can't stop you, they got to dirty your name. Why do you think all, everybody in Hollywood got some baggage on them? Hmm? Yeah. Huh? Name one minority. They ain't got no dirt. Okay. Keep on moving. They, if they can't beat you, they got to murder your name. So even though you have all of these great things, this other thing is always going to be attached to it. Mm. So everywhere Paul went, they were muddying his name up, muddying his reputation up. His reputation was not good, but good. Everywhere he went, there was somebody that was splitting his name, contradicting what he is. And, and, and you know what happened? With the seven sons of Sceva and they were worshiping all these idols and he rebuked them. You know what started the riot? Because the idol makers started losing money. Because people stopped buying idols. Yeah, you know. They stopped buying Buddha. They stopped buying all those things. They stopped buying these little fake trees. 
So they got mad because they was losing their business. It was a, it was the e-commerce. They didn't care what he was preaching. They still wanted that money. Instead of retraining themselves and maybe making something for Jesus, they they wanted to keep, you know, uh, 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 Apollos and all these other, all of these other deities. I'm just saying. And no one would support this brother, but them. Hmm. 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 So in 17, what does he say? He says, wait, 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 wait. He's like, hold, 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 hold up, 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 hold up. I don't want you to think that I want a gift. He says, I'm not that I'm seeking gifts itself. But I seek for the profit which increases to your account. He's like, hold up, hold up, hold up. Listen to what the Amplified Version says. He says, not that I seek or am eager or am eager for your gift, but I do seek and am eager, eager for the fruit which increases to your credit, the harvest of blessing that is accumulating to your account. He is saying, I'm not looking for gifts. I didn't write this letter to get a gift from you. He says, but it really what I'm looking for is your increase because of your generosity, because of your blessing, because you are a joyous giver. That's what I'm looking for. He says, I'm looking forward to God blessing you. Because you have been a blessing to me. The Bible says he uh, you'll know them by the you know them by the fruit that they bear. Watch this. Because this church was giving out of joy and true love, they weren't giving just to be seen, right? This is why Paul is saying this. Paul never asked for an offering. I want you to now notice, let's notice now. Notice he gives, he talks about this giving topic in the Corinthian church. Watch what he says here in Corinthians. He says, if we sow spiritual things in you, is it too much if we reap material things from you? Question. Now, when Paul asks these questions, he's asking the questions knowing that the answer should be yes. And no, I'm not asking for that, right? But he's asking these questions knowing the answer is going to be yes. If we saw some spiritual in you, is it too much that we reap material things for you? Right? 12 says, if others share the right over you, do we not more? Nevertheless, we did not use this right. But we endured all things so that we would cause no hindrance to the gospel of Christ. Uh-huh. Do you not know that those who perform sacred service eat the food of the temple and those who attend regularly to the altar have their share from the altar? He's talking about the Old Testament. They were the Levites. The Levites ate from the temple because they served in the temple. Paul is saying, I have a right, but I did not use my right because I assessed the situation and I did not use my privilege, but I do have a right 
14, he says, So also the Lord directed those who proclaim the gospel to get their living from the gospel. Mm. But I have used none of these things, and I'm not writing these things so that it will be done so in my case. For it would be better for me to die than to have any man make my boast an empty one. Paul is not writing. He says, I have a right. I could use this right, but I'm not going to use this right. But I do have this right. Mm. He says, for if I preach the gospel, I have nothing to boast of, for I am under compulsion. For woe is me if I do not preach the gospel. I want you to understand something what Paul says here. He says, I'm not asking for anything, but I have a right to, but I'm not. When he says, I'm looking for God to bless you, he says, in spite of me not asking you, you, you took it upon your heart to still give to me. Uh, you took it upon your heart to still sow into me and believe in me, right? In other words, Paul says, I am going, I'm not just trusting God. And just preaching, I'm trusting God in my finances. I'm trusting God everywhere I go. He's saying now, because I'm over this mission, I do have a right to tax them. Because I'm sowing spiritual advice. This is what I'm doing all day, every day. But I assess the pool. I assess the situation. And I didn't want to be a burden to you. But I could have if I wanted to. And I would have been within my rights. So now we look at the Philippian church. The Philippian church is doing it in, they're doing it out of love and joy because they see a brother is in need. Mm. See, this comes to good deeds. Look at what, look at what Titus 3 and 14 says. Our people must learn to engage in good deeds to meet pressing needs so that they will not be unfruitful. I got to stand up. I got to stand up. <laughs> what is it? It's that our people must learn to engage in good deeds to meet pressing needs so that they will not be unfruitful. Paul says, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm happy. And I'm looking forward to the reciprocation, the blessing, the reciprocity, the blessing that's coming your way. Why? Because you bear some good fruit. <laughs> Our people must learn how to engage in good deeds. When's the last time you've done a good deed? Huh? When's the last time you've done a good deed to meet the pressing need? Huh? Give and it should be given back to you. Press down, shake it together, run it over. Mm. Mm, I know I've been changed. <laughs> Titus 3 and 8 says, this is trustworthy statement. And concerning these things, I want you to speak confidently so that those who have believed in God will, carefully, will be careful to engage in good deeds. These things are good and profitable for man. My God. This is a trustworthy statement. 
concerning these things. I want you to speak confidently so that those who have believed in God will be careful to engage in good things. They will be careful to engage in good deeds. He says these things are good and they are profitable for man. Good deeds are good and they are profitable for you. They help you to bear good fruits. Stop being stingy. God bless you and you ain't trying to bless nobody. You got your nose up. But just two years ago, you had your hand out like Allstate. Come on now. Come on now. Come on now. Huh? That ain't what I said. That's what the Bible says. These things are good and profitable for you. And this is what the Philippian church did. Romans 12, 10 through 13 says, be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Give preference to one another in honor. Okay. Not lagging behind in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, per persevering in tribulations, devoted to prayer, contributing to the needs of the saints, practicing hostility. Oh, I got to drop the mic. I just got to drop the mic here. Oh, Lord. It says con contributing, giving to the needs of the saints. The Philippian church was given to the needs of the saints. It happened to be Paul. Paul says in Romans, be devoted to one another in love. Give preference to one another in honor. Don't be lagging behind in diligence. Be fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, persevering in tribulations, devoted to prayer. Oh, my gosh. And contributing to the needs of the saints, practicing hospitality. I love the Lord. He heard my cry. Hmm. That's right, Sister Ravina. We dropping the mic. Contributing to the needs of the saints. Huh? This is Bible. Don't you know that in the day of Pentecost, the, the, the apostles were steadfast in the apostles' doctrine and they were given to one another. Don't you know that giving is a part of the foundation of Christianity? Mm. In the beginning of the church, they did this so that nobody would be lacking for nothing. Here it is, some odd years later. Man, it's only one church right now. Paul is saying in this letter, that's been helping him out. No wonder the enemy tried to attack them with division. Mm. Matthew 7 and 19 says, Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. So then you will know them by their fruit. The Bible, didn't, didn't we read a scripture that says, If you ain't giving, you know, it's unfruitful. You're going to know them by their fruit. If they ain't bearing no fruit, they're going to be thrown into the fire. But you won't give. You won't give any spiritual advice. You won't, you won't help nobody. You just got your hand out, won't help nobody. 
This is not what this is. This is not where what God is calling us to do. Oh, no. Colossians 1 and 10 says, so that you will walk in a manner worthy of the Lord to please him in all respect, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Bearing fruit. Oh, my gosh. In every good work, not some good work, but in every good work. So his point here is that he is looking forward to seeing the blessing poured out on the Philippian church. Why? Because they did a good deed. They continued to bear good fruit by sowing back into Paul. They saw what Paul went through. They saw the insurrection. They saw him get whipped. They saw him, the, the, they saw the government try to backpedal and counsel him. They saw the government try to try to try to act like try to lower the the event by rewording it to mean something that it didn't mean. They saw that. And it said that this brother went through all of this to preach the gospel. We're gonna help him by funding his ministry to continue to go. And he did that in multiple cities. This one was the only one that was so. Are you not so in the help fund ministries? Hmm. Just saying. It's not, I'm not asking for no money, so don't, don't get it twisted. I'm just saying. This, this, this church, Philippians, was moved and was acting under the spirit of God to help the needy. Are you doing good fruit? Good fruit sometimes is just not writing a check. Sometimes it's getting in the trenches. Huh? What are you, what, what are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing? Now watch this. So now the Philippians, Philippians 4 and 18, it says this. He says, remember, he says, I'm not asking for nothing. But so he says, he says, but watch this. I have received your package. I have received everything in full and have an abundance. I am amply supplied, having received from Epaphroditus what you have sent, a fragrant aroma acceptable to God, a sacrifice. He says, I'm, I'm, I'm good. Paul makes it clear. I'm good. The package you gave me, I'm good. But now look at for Philippians 4.19. Man, this hit home. Yeah, I got enough time to finish this thing. It hit home. He says that my God will supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. I want you to look at this other theme here. Let me, let me, let me sit down on this one here before I get too happy. He has another theme, wealth. Now, this hit me in the head. This next scripture, 2 Corinthians, this is the key text, 2 Corinthians 8 and 9. It says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you through his poverty, might become rich. If y'all could see Sister Ravina's face right now, 
reading this text, she got a deep look like, hmm, hmm, because that's the same look I had. It was like the light bulbs went out in my mind, you know what I'm saying? It was like, oh, look. He was like, he says, I want you to know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich in wealth, rich means wealth, rich, right? We're not just talking about money, but wealth because he's in heaven, you know, the, the, whole, the whole thing. He lowered himself, became poor, lived in poverty, lived in the poorest ghettos of the ghettos, the hood of Jerusalem, the ghetto of Jerusalem, so that when he died and rose from the grave, he would give us the opportunity to become rich. Oh, God help me. So, giving, this is, this is, this is giving now. Giving is the overflow of joy in God that gladly and lovely meets the needs of another person. This is what Paul was talking about, about the church giving. But now he's taking it a step further. Paul tells the church that his God will supply all of your needs. What does supply mean? Supply means to what? Satisfy, fill up, to satisfy, conceive of as. If filling a container completely, it means to be filled, complete. Field. It also the need means supply of your needs means that the, that anything that is necessary but lacking, right? You're not gonna lack anything. And riches means wealth, abundance of material possession and resource. Abund abundance of material possession, re material possession and resource. So look, let's look at the word rich in Second Corinthians eight and nine. He says that he was rich. Mm -hmm. The word rich means possession, material wealth. So he was saying, uh, 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 though Jesus was rich, he was a possessor of wealth, material, right? He's in heaven the whole nine. He was the possessor, right? Because the Bible says he is God in flesh. He is the image of the invisible God. Though he was rich in glory of wealth, possession of material, all of these things. He says, he says that I die so that you can be rich, which ties into Philippians 4.19. Now, the word rich in 2 Corinthians, the root word of rich is in Philippians 4.19, which means wealth, abundance, of material, an abundance of material. He's saying that he is the possessor of wealth. The root world, the root world word is getting the abundance of the wealth. God is the possessor of wealth. He possesses wealth and he is giving that wealth unto us. Mm. So Paul is saying here, he is telling us that the church, that he is telling the church that God will supply or give 
his abundance of wealth to us. He says he will supply all of our needs according to his abundance of wealth and his glory. He died so that we can have the opportunity to possess the abundance of his wealth. Why are you leaning to your own understanding when you have God in flesh that wants to give you the his abundance of wealth that transcends the world's wealth? Why do you think in Matthew 4 when the devil tried to tempt Jesus and says, look at my wealth, Jesus like, nah, bruh, my wealth is greater than your wealth. He died so that he can give you his wealth. Mm. Now why you got to keep calling uh, Oprah and these psychic hotlines and do these horoscopes on a daily basis when God is saying, I got what you need. Mm, huh, glory. He doesn't want you to depend on your wealth, our wealth, but his wealth. You want your needs met. Oh my gosh. You want your needs met. You said, God, give me all of these needs. He's saying, okay, I'll give you this, but I'm going to give you your needs according to my wealth. Not your wealth. My wealth, not your wealth. Why do you consist on trying to get the wealth of the world? When the Bible says the wealth of the wicked is laid up for the righteous. <laughs> huh? Stop trying to be like the Joneses. Stop trying to be like the Jetsons. He said, I am the possessor of wealth. And I want to give you, I want to supply your needs according to my wealth. That messed me up. That messed me up. Man, I quoted this scripture so many times, y'all, it ain't even funny. So Paul is telling us, I got a secret. I can do all things through Jesus Christ that gives me strength. Why? Because he's given me the possession of his wealth. And he's telling the church, I am happy that you are not stingy. And I'm looking forward to God blessing you with his wealth on your life. Huh? I'm looking forward to it. I can't wait to see how God blesses you. We call this scripture... God is going to supply my needs because he said that he would. Yes, but he said according to his wealth because he is the owner and the possessor of wealth. You better shout on that one. He is the possessor of my wealth. And I want his wealth and not my wealth. I want his wealth, not the world's wealth. Mm. This is why we closing this out here. He says in 20 and 21. Let me get there. 20 and 21. I got happy, y'all. He says, now to our God and Father, be glory forever and ever. Amen. 21 says that he greased the, He says, greet every saint in Christ Jesus, the brother who are. Um, bless you. Bless you, Reverend Wayne. He says, greet the saints in Christ Jesus. The brother who are with me greet you. Hmm? 
This some serious stuff, y'all. Now, look at this. I don't have. I don't even have time to deal with this. There's a whole message in itself. Look at what Paul says. All the saints greet you, especially those in Caesar's household. Where is Paul located at? He's in house arrest. Where? In Caesar's household. So while he's been in jail, he's been preaching the gospel because he's learned how to be content. Don't, he, 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 he's been serving God, but there wasn't an earthquake. You know, why is it that if lightning strikes one place, we want lightning to strike every time we're in the same situation? So every time we're in a situation, we wait till midnight and nothing happens. Paul is doing the work of the Lord. It's not all lightning is not always going to strike the same place. <laughs> but he still continue to do the work of the Lord. You got to learn how to do the work of the Lord. Maybe it's not your time to be released. But that doesn't mean you stop preaching. Paul says, all the saints, especially those in Caesar's household, meaning he has been winning souls for God while he's been locked up in jail. He's documenting that in the first chapter of Philippians. He said, we all greet you. Look at Philippians 1, 12. He says, now I want you to know, brethren, that my circumstances have turned out for the greater progress of the gospel. What did he say? So that my imprisonment in the case of Christ has become well known throughout the patron guards. Those are Caesar's guards. And to everyone else. 14 says, and that most of the brethren trust in the Lord because of me, of my imprisonment, have far more courage to speak the word of God without fear. Come on now. This is all because keep preaching in jail. Let's look at this last verse. It says, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Be with your spirit. Brothers and sisters, ladies and gentlemen, we have completed the book of Philippians. We have completed it. We have been in Philippians for a very long time, <laughs> having a good time. We still may talk about it on Sunday. We'll see. Amen. But we have completed the book of Philippians. And so we're going to be starting a new book. I, I'm leaning towards starting in the book of Peter. We may go through the book of Peter. Um, it's kind of been on my mind lately. So... We're just going to make a decision. We're going to go. I'm just going to just make a decision. Make it now. We're going to start in the book of Peter. We'll start at 1 Peter. Chapter 1. So we're going to be starting the in the book of Peter. 1 Peter. There are two sections. 1 Peter and 2 Peter. Um, we'll be picking that up starting um, next week. Unless I may take a break, I'll let you guys know through text. But we'll be starting the book of Peter. And what is the first things that we do when we start a book? We start going through the introduction. We try to find out historical context, tidbits, themes, those kind of things, so that we can kind of ascertain what we need to ascertain, so that we can have a foundation when we start reading. 
And so we have better context when we read. Amen. This is very important. We found it to be important. And, and now also we kind of want to see, find the story in the heart. Why is he, who is he addressing this to? Who is he writing this to? Why is he writing what he is writing? Amen to God. And so we're going to be in 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter 1. And we'll, we'll start from there um, and break down that word and get the introduction going. Amen. I don't know about you, but I have enjoyed the book of Philippians. Philippians has been deep. I'm still stuck in Philippians 4.19 and 2 Corinthians 8 and 9. Because we've always said that God will supply all of our needs according to his riches and glory. Right now, I've said that, you know, and it just, yeah. And I've, and, and honestly, I've really just been, he, he, I, I've cited the scripture, but I've always just been saying, and he's going to supply all of our needs according to his riches. And never really dealt, dove deep into his riches, right? I've always thought about it as, you know, just, because I'm living right and according to God's standard, which was which is kind of true, but I thank God for growth. Amen. I thank God that I can admit what my frame of mind was until God gave me the revelation, because that's how we go from grace to grace, from glory to glory. But understanding that now and understanding that He is the possessor of wealth, and He wants to He wants to give us His wealth. His witches, his glory, he died so that we can be possessors of his wealth changes the game. It changes the game. It changes the game. So, brothers and sisters, let's go ahead and uh, pray out. Father God, we thank you for this word. We thank you for this study in this book. I mean, God, what a wonderful and powerful book um, that you have uh, allowed Paul to write and to bless our lives, Father God. This has been a treat, God, and just great nuggets, insight, and revelation. And so, God, we ask that we would take this book and continue to move forward in you. And, God, we ask that you would bless us uh, the rest of this week. Bless our households. Bless us as we uh, worship you on Sunday. Father God, Lord willing, and help us to be better people and to do good deeds within our community, Father God. Oh, God, we give you the glory, the honor, and the praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Pastor Anderson and Lady J would like to express their appreciation for you taking the time to listen to our podcast. We would also like to offer you an invitation to join us for our services. To connect with us, simply send a text with hashtag connect to 916-545-1284, and we will respond promptly. Moreover, if you feel led by the Lord to support our ministry through giving— you can text hashtag give to 916-545-1284 and explore the different ways to contribute. Be blessed in Jesus' name.